0: I'm Michael Heyman, and you're listening to Change Now, for my guest today, there are ten thousand stories behind her message, but perhaps above all, one reason to listen. For the message is determined, optimistic, and empowering, and it's that this next decade of my life will be the best yet. Charlotte Keenan is the Managing Director of Goldman Sachs 10,000 Women Initiatives, providing women entrepreneurs around the world with business and management education, mentoring and networking, and access to capital. Alongside sits its sister program, 10,000 Small Businesses, which is committed to stimulating small business growth. And it provides my guests with a ringside seat into the importance of entrepreneurs to the economy, and insights on how gloomy times for growth might glow again with the feel-good factor of progress and potential realised. Charlotte, welcome to Changemakers.
1: Thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation.
0: Me too. I mean, we'll declare an interest that we're working together on the yes. on the Help to, Pro, Help to Grow programme, more of that in a moment. But let's start there. The best is yet to come. With you, I have no doubt, but let's talk about this next decade. Why will it be the best yet?
1: So friends said to me the other day, they were reading this book, 4000, Weeks, uh, which I think is, I, ha- I haven't yet read it, but I think it's on the premise that you die around, you know, 75, 80, and we have 4,000 weeks in our life. And so I realized that I was pretty much halfway there uh, at the start of to declare I'm in my early 40s. If so I looked ahead, based on a whole load of inspiration that I've had from people recently, I decided that this is the decade that I'm going to go for it and I'm going to do lots of different things. I'm going to climb a mountain, I'm going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. For the time I'm 45, setting myself a ambitious physical deadline with this. And I grew up in Africa and I've always wanted to get to the top of it. And that's always been a target. I want to start my own business. You know, I spend my life looking at incredible business leaders. And the older I get, I love building things and I love creating things. And so I'm going to do that by the end of this decade. And then look, we've been through, you know, we all have a really grim Mm. grim few years and so I just want to have fun Mm. in the in the decade ahead so that's what I'm aiming for
0: I think that's a great by the way I think that's a great way to look at it and I suppose it is it's also about the fact there's no point in having dreams unless we're prepared to try and live them
1: well exactly exactly you know we Mm. haven't we haven't we, we haven't got forever and we don't want to get old and wish for all the things that we wanted to do and then never quite got around to and it's also the realization Look, I've got two two tiny children a really busy job life's really busy Mm. and but within that we still have to make time to achieve the things that really motivate us and the things that make a difference and the things that we can you know when we're older step back and talk about to our children and and grandchildren
0: so I'd have thought for for listeners is that some people will really buy into the whole seize the day moment and may well be you know, you think we're we're talking at the beginning of a new year. Maybe some people are already thinking like that, but some people will 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 find it difficult, right? You know, they'll be they'll feel that you know there's still a a sort of a long list of of problems in a lot of people's lives. I mean, as you were sort of inferring in terms of your own experience, are there tips you'd give in terms of how you get hold of, I guess, the kind of the courage to go for it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's the the age old old saying right that life goes on it's up to us to make of it what we will and look i mean the uk is in a tricky place economically we're in a challenging place you know personally people are just getting over the pandemic and and whatever else might might be going along but i do think it's also times like this that bring about um opportunity and excitement right and it's and it's also a case that you know when times are lean or when things are difficult that also spurs innovation it spurs hunger and that leads to new and different things so that's why I'm looking looking forward now and and look I mean there's there's an an awful lot (laughs) that we need to fix and to do Mm -hmm. our political system is is challenging economically it's challenging many people are going through a, a very difficult cost of living crisis and we can sit back and allow that to happen or actually we can step forward and and step up right and change it.
0: Well, one of the things about stepping forward, I guess, is something that that you and I have stepped into, which is the Help to Grow uh, management programme, which is very much about helping small firms Um, grow, get where they want to go. Um, Let's introduce it to listeners. Tell us what it is and why it matters.
1: Oh, this is the most fantastic program. And Michael, I'm super privileged to lead the advisory council for it. Um, And working with yourself, Dame Alison Rose and and, and many others on it. I mean, this is the idea that Rishi Sunak had when he was chancellor. Um, That fundamentally, in order to spur economic growth, we need to increase the productivity of fast growing small firms across the UK, which is an absolutely core tenant that in other areas of my life with, you know, 10,000 small businesses is, you know, an economic 101, right? If we help small businesses to grow, the economy grows, we're creating jobs, the ongoing multiplier effect is an extraordinary boost for economic growth. So last in 2020 the government announced help help to grow. Actually, I think it might be 2021, 20, 20, 20, my, my years are running running away with me, a very, very significant initiative to, to frankly provide business leaders and business owners with the tools and the skills that they need to help their businesses grow to the next level. So we run it in partnership with CAB, the Chartered Association of Business Schools. We've got over 56 business schools now around the country, all of whom are providing a very intensive, very dedicated course for small business owners to help them fundamentally achieve the next level of of their growth so it's it you know it's it's an extraordinary privilege very very humbling um and incredibly important because frankly unless we're leaning into entrepreneurs and business owners particularly at a time like this where they need every available resource to to grow and to thrive we're in trouble
0: now, you've you've given one very compelling reason as to why I've read that you said in the past that entrepreneurs are equipped to deal with uncertainty better than most. Is this about you know? This is about not just about unleashing the guts to go for it, but also growing with knowledge, getting your own pocket MBA, I guess, in terms of. So, so is it the head and the heart that we're unleashing here? I guess
1: that's you know, a lovely way way to put it, right? It's giving them the school the the skills to unleash the head and the heart, and you know, entrepreneurs are ideally placed right i mean the the very essence of entrepreneurship is is taking a risk but you want that to be a calculated risk and so you 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 want to give these individuals the framework the opportunities the discipline the financial discipline that whatever they're doing whether they're creating taking over a business making something something more efficient they've got the 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 bandwidth and, and the opportunity to do that And look, I mean, another fundamental component here is it's really lonely running your own business and creating a network, therefore, of entrepreneurs across the country is a phenomenal, phenomenal resource for them to lean on each other, develop ideas, brainstorm ideas, help each other on each other's boards, etc. So it's, it's, it's a very powerful sense of community.
0: Now, what I want to move on to now, I suppose, is, is, is introducing your work at Goldman Sachs. But in so doing, mm. um, obviously through both 10,000 small businesses and 10,000 women, it's not... It's not just a perspective about here in the UK that you have, but indeed the global state of health of entrepreneurs and small firms. And, you know, and and I guess that kind of that, that attitude that we're talking about when you sort of go around the world and you, you I know you work, you've done a lot, lot in India, a, a, a lot, a lot of, you know, a lot of growth economies. Um, Obviously, in the UK right now, we are, you know, we, we are in, in the grip of a very tough economic picture, as, as you've said does it feel different here though in your experience in terms of the, the the mood the kind of the vibe compared to some of the other countries you're working in
1: oh yes it does is the short answer sadly i think is that is, is, is the answer so yes i mean you know both programs again very similar to to help to grow and, and goldman started them in a 2007 2008 on the back of the financial crisis where we realized that in order to help countries grow, the single best thing that we could do philanthropically uh, was to support small firms to become bigger firms, right? Make, you know, make, make small big. And it's it's a very simple recipe, you know, education, skills, networks, and working in collaboration with some of the world's best business schools. And capital. Capital mm. is the is the missing ingredient.
0: But based on a belief that actually this was this is like a form of nation building, is it civil society building that actually entrepreneurs do more than just earn a living?
1: They do an awful lot more than earn a living, right? They're creating jobs, the multiplier effect of those jobs. They pay it forward, particularly with women, which I love. When we when we look at the results of our 10,000 women program, you know, over 90% are paying it forward and helping mm. other women to get jobs or other women to start businesses. So it's 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 not just the economic success of a single entity in a single company i mean the ripple impact of a healthy small small business which let's face it as the dominant employer in any society in which you know, small businesses in, in 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 the world but it is very different market to market at the moment mm-hmm. and if i you mentioned india you know and i love spending time in india and it's a it's a powerful, exciting growth economy. I mean, Morgan Stanley did a fantastic research report recently talking about, you know, the next decade. And my decade is going to be my best yet, but it's also going to be India's best decade. <laughs> and just the, the opportunity and the you know the volume of small businesses right is 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 really quite unparalleled I mean there are huge challenges of course you know particularly in in the field that I'm in you know capital for those businesses but with the rest of of the focus on India it's it's hungry and there is opportunity Mm. and I think that leads to a very very positive momentum here in some ways, I think you could say the country's feeling a bit tired right and that's and that's why you know, small businesses engines of economic growth they're still hungry, they're still entrepreneurial they they have to be. And actually, that gives you know that kind of catalytic life and opportunity to, to the country.
0: It's, it's interesting, you see, because I, I I suppose when we talk about um, entrepreneurship and the programs in the UK, it, it's it's almost never from the perspective of actually, well, is this an effort at social as well as economic transformation. You know, a past guest on Changemakers was um, Professor Muhammad Yunus, the Nobel laureate, who who talks, you know, really engagingly about microcredit loans for women in in India in terms of just the, you know, the social passport that this led in terms of the transformation in lives. And, you know, it it makes me sort of wonder the degree to which we need to have a, a, a more fundamental conversation about the fact that we're not just, you know, helping start or grow businesses but actually this is a broader conversation about the sort of society and the sort of pathways that you know are created and what it means to live in in a country like this
1: I mean the other point that I'd bring in there is that the UK also is leading the world in terms of how we think about supporting small businesses Mm. right so I mean help to grow is a world-leading program no other country has such a thing at the scale, ten thousand small businesses and ten thousand women. You know, l- likewise, you know, from a from a private sector perspective, are, are, are leading the world. And I think we as kind of the UK can do much much more in sharing the lessons and the evidence that we're, we're finding finding from these programs. And you know, coming coming to your point about civil society you know each each of these businesses is a story of an individual it's a story of their employees it's a story of change it's a story of, of creation you know my favorite question to ask our, our business owners is you know what was what was the moment that you decided to step back from whatever you were doing and actually set up the business and come up with the business or create the idea or improve something that someone else was was, was doing and that moment and what drives people to that moment, I find en- endlessly fascinating. And you know, and the answers are always completely, completely different. And giving, you know, presence and showcasing and illustrating, you know, all of those thousands and thousands. Of stories, I don't think we do enough of, and I think it's incredibly powerful. Mm, But
0: but there is a there is a leap of faith that 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 a a small business leader needs to take in terms of setting something up. There is also how you maintain your sense of belief. I I, I noted that um, you've spoken in the past about how, in the pandemic, sixty percent of small businesses that you spoke to predicted they'd fail, whereas ninety nine percent survived. So this kind of like this kind of sense of the difference between the anxiety about what I feel filmmaker um, and then the reality of what it takes to actually show the resilience and the guts and the survival instinct to act to actually make it it'd be interesting so sort of, i suppose you know you you've, you've sort of alluded to it because what we're talking about here is an element of character aren't we in terms of what it means to, to go for it as a as a person that's going to run and grow their own business
1: oh well, it's definitely i mean it's it's i think the grit to keep going right if you go back to the pandemic example i mean when we surveyed our businesses at the beginning they were absolutely terrified you know at the end of it apart from the obvious sectors most of them had actually done extremely well you know i mean they were exhausted but those businesses had done incredibly well across the uk and so i think it i think it is in their character right i mean it is an element of self-belief but also humility right because you need to you know a successful business you need to have successful leadership teams uh, successful partners successful collaborations The kind of knowing what you don't know right helps helps refine that opportunity and frankly just hard work mm. i mean it's we did a great i mean you were you you, you were there michael we did a, a great conference in oxford at the end of last year about uh, the resilient business, and we interview kind of all you know, all of the great and the good from different spheres and different sectors. Where Mark was wearing, talking about being a, a Michelin starred chef in the kitchen and, and, and his career, you know, Selene Henry, many others. And the common theme is hard work. (laughs) And, you know, so I think sometimes there's a a misconception that you come up with a great idea and the next day you're you're the next um, unicorn. There's a huge amount of grit and hard work.
0: Well, I I think the grit and the graft, I mean, they're they're all points well made, because I suppose in many ways, the conversation about a lot of small firms is not just about, let's start it, let's scale it, and let's sell it. I mean, n- now we seem to be in a much more protracted period where a lot of companies need to show much more resilience, much more time in the field, much more sort of ability to, to show that they can make it over time. Yet at the same moment that this is happening, of course, we're facing the uh, the Collins dictionary word of the year, the perma crisis. So it's not just a pandemic and the, and the sort of the aftermath of that but sort of problems wherever you face it does hard work is is that enough to see you through you know the sort of the potential exhaustion of you know problems on so many more fronts than perhaps you've ever had it before no
1: I mean alone it's not enough right I mean you have to you know it's a kind of prerequisite right but being nimble adjusting Learning, you know, if again, if we look back at 2022, who could have predicted inflation at the levels that we saw? It? Who could have predicted Russia's invasion of the Ukraine? Who could have predicted our political changes in in the UK? and a three three prime ministers in 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 one year, none of us could have predicted it. And so it's about having, you now we talk to our businesses about having your your north star. So you know whether that's the business plan or the purpose of the business and the values of the business, but You need to adapt, adjust, be very, very, very alive to what your competition is doing, what the broader market is doing. And in our experience, it's those those businesses that are nimble uh, that make it. I mean, actually, out of our 10,000 small businesses groups, over 70 percent changed their business model during the pandemic. And were all wildly successful as, as as a result. So there are a whole different number of factors, I think, that go into being mm. a successful entrepreneur. Uh, and I think I think they're definitely common traits.
0: I, I think that last point is a very, very interesting one as well, because I, I was reading some data the other day about how many CEOs that biggest fear is that that their businesses will be seen as redundant or have no more utility or out of date. And that actually that that ability to cope and be at the heart of change seems to be at the heart of the survival instinct and the growth instinct.
1: Well, we know change is the only constant, right? Mm. I mean, I was thinking about this on a personal level last week, because we were doing a collaboration with Multiverse, which is even Blair's organisation focusing on, on skills. And we're having a conversation around, uh, you know, skill, skills in the economy in the context of the great labour shortage. And also the fact that my generation, our generation, we're going to have to work longer, right? And the generations after us are going to have to work longer. And then that throws up a very interesting question of, you know, how, how do you stay in a workplace that's changing so rapidly? How do you stay relevant? And how do you ensure that you future-proof your skill set so that you're keeping pace with the, the early 20-year-olds? So and what was I, your I might actually do a coding piece <laughs> where I, where I en- ended up on that. I think you know from the perspective of the workplace and you know we're going through a huge generational shift mm. at the moment in terms of what that means.
0: Yeah I mean I mean, we may touch on this in, in a moment but I mean that point about differentiating though during your career I mean that, that's something you've done through 10,000 women and 10,000 small businesses and indeed much more widely than that um, where I suppose what you're interested in and what you're driven by has also turned out to be what you do for your career you know you're you're not sort of talking for the city or for defense or foreign affairs you're talking about something as presumably that 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 you're interested in from a starting point I mean I mean is this an area that really makes you tick Charlotte?
1: In terms of well, just hey. your
0: interest i mean i suppose the thing is is that you know you, you've got a you've got an area that you are excelling in and it looks like you have a very good feel for it that's what it comes across to me i mean is is it is it the fact that you really believe in 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 these businesses and their ability to affect change that, that drives your own professional career because presumably you could you know you're working for a major financial institution you could have lots of other areas of focus
1: you know i i love i love building things i think is what motivates me and therefore i love being a kind of you know a side spectator to these businesses in a built building, their own, you know, destiny and 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 changing and, and growing. I find endlessly fascinating, you know. And even kind of, you know, I work for a big financial institution, but even you know, within it, you know, Goldman is an incredibly entrepreneurial place. So again, there's always the opportunity to to build and create, create whether that's building a team, whether it's a new, a different, a different area. You know, my in my pre- previous career, you know, all, all the roles that I had, it, it really was around creating something and you know, fi- finding that white space right that mm. that no one else is in and that you can make a, a meaningful difference
0: right but, but but it's also isn't it something about the true space because you know you you've said in the past that it's very important to bring your true and entire self to the workplace irrespective of whether you're working in a big organization or setting up your own business who is what is the true and entire self from from your perspective
1: oh you know I could I completely agree with that right we have we have to be Authentic, you, you know. You I, said it, Charlotte. So I'm hoping. You I do. know. <laughs> I know. I know. Look, I'm a I'm a mother of two children. They're young. That that matters to me. That's that's a big a big part of me. I love my career. I love the UK. And all of that, you know, and I'm not any, any one of those things. I don't define myself by by my career or, or working at Goldman. I don't kind of define myself but by, by being a mother. And I love learning and trying different and new experiences. And like I think it's I think it's the combination of, of all of that that makes makes you who, who you are. And I think we, you know, we're all continuing to grow
0: and mm. develop Let's use that growth to to flip from matters temporal to to matters spiritual. Because prior to to joining Goldman Sachs, you were chief executive of the of the Tony Blair Faith Foundation. Tell us a little bit about about that role because you didn't. You, we were talking just just um, off air that you didn't a- approach this um, from a faith perspective, e- even with a theology degree under your belt.
1: Oh, you know that was the most endlessly fascinating role. So I mean. You know yes I, I i do have a theology degree and then i did an international relations degree and then i went and was an investment banker and then and then i suddenly found myself working for tony blentz kind of you know at the end of the in a financial crisis and seconded to him from the bank that i was that i was at at the time and he was setting up his foundation and to be honest, he he didn't have much of an idea at the stage what, what he wanted it to be, except if you if you go back, and this was kind of you know two thousand 9 he was driven by the belief, you know, a clash of civilizations is far too simplistic a term, you know, the old Hunt, Hunt, uh, Samuel Huntington phrase, but driven by the belief that religion and its role in society would become ever important and understanding it, and obviously this coming out of his own experiences with 9-11. Uh, and as a leader thereafter, and obviously the, the London bombings as well. So he had this belief that we weren't recognising, understanding, and nor were we equipped enough to really deal with religion, religiosity and as an extremism in society mm. which was absolutely born true because then as we saw what happened with ISIS and the events in in the Middle East you know if we re- remember back to those times you know religious extremism and the and the spate of attacks that we had in London was pretty much all consuming for a, no, a, no, a number of years and one of the reasons that I love working with him is is as a leader in a, a visionary you know he had the ability to in some ways, you know, see these things before the rest of us did. But also, you know, going back to the point around building, right? Building a defence against that religious extremism. So, in, you know, in the, in the foundation, we did a huge amount of, you know, education, education in some of the most difficult areas, you know, around the world. So whether that's mm-hmm. you know, northern Nigeria, across the Middle East, and Pakistan, to really help and engage with. You know, diff- different religious groups understanding the other. Did
0: it um, did it help or hinder your role? That you know, you you didn't, as we've spoken about, you didn't approach this from a position of personal faith, but presumably tony blair did i mean i'm thinking about the famous david frost interview where he asked him whether he and george bush prayed together and it was the first time that that he kind of he revealed that and then i'm thinking about alistair campbell saying well we don't do god as as a kind of a as a as a a sort of sim uh, important emblem of of the government of of that time i'm just wondering what the vibe was you know between you know somebody who who clearly had a Approach this from a perspective of personal faith and actually you coming in as chief exec of a, of a foundation where you're wanting to help it make a difference.
1: To be honest I, I think it, it, it absolutely helped and also I mean that was a question that, that Tony was asked a lot you know again and again and again you know whether it was a faith motivation for him and I, I you know it was much more geopolitical motivation right and a kind of intellectual motivation you know he would always again talk about you know faith being in some senses a private matter to you know help guide the person but actually with whatever endeavor you have and you know in 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 my case I found it you know incredibly helpful to be able to bring a, a rational in a view to really how how to build the organisation, think about mm. the organisation, whilst obviously appreciating and, and understanding, you know, other people's perspectives. So it was, um, I mean, it was a really it was a really fascinating, fascinating I, experience.
0: I bet, and and maybe I'm trying to thread this all together, Charlotte, in a way that that, that is a is a good representation or not, but I. I, I noticed in your lockdown list that that um Shadowlands by C.S. Lewis is your is your uh, your chosen read and of course you know it talk, It tells the tale of two incredibly you know divergent lives the christian scholar and c.s lewis and joy davidson uh, davidman sorry the, the um, jewish american divorcee and former communist party member but of course a lot of it is also about the crisis of faith and the crisis of loss and i wondered you know thinking about having worked for somebody who you know i suppose gained certainty from being a kind of political marmite character as in mm. those those that you know those that bought into him bought into him and those that didn't didn't is there more in your own view about this which, which questions there's more questioning I suppose is it? Is it more about the fragility of people and actually the questioning of things like 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 faith that are what makes us human I don't know is, is that a fair question yeah you actually?
1: know you know I I love this um but and also also the film and I remember watching it first when I was actually very very young and it was really the first time that I'd in in such a profound way and I I highly recommend it to to anyone encountered and really thought about those feelings of intense love and then grief and then loss and then how 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 to deal with with loss and it's been my mother who I was incredibly close to died last year after a very very difficult battle with um with cancer and and so I think I kind of I kept coming back to C.S. Lewis and that narrative of love and loss and that kind of uncertainty. And there's and there's a really there's a lovely a lovely quote in the book which is you know we we live in the shadowlands, the sun is always shining somewhere else, round a bend in the road or over the bow of a hill. It always stuck with me and and struck me and and taught me again to live in the present and to look yeah. to look for that sunshine and in the present. So, yes. You know, I you know, let me let me put it another way. I, I would love <laughs> I'd love to be religious. Um, and I and I've really tried. I've <laughs> really tried throughout my whole theology degree, which was a, you know, a wonderful degree, but but I'm I'm just not, but I think that that hope and that that framework that it gives people,
0: and i very helpful. I also think that explains your hopes for the next ten years. Is that they're that they're going to be the best yet. I think it's very they, they are. That, Michael. That, 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 <laughs> that the best of the southern chat. Let's talk about some of that some of that sunshine because I think your best your best tips for life were great. I don't know if you have got them in front of you because you had a few. Do you want me to sort of read them out? Or have you, yeah, have you yeah. Sleep on it. No one else cares about what you care about in the same way you do. Believe in yourself. Drink water when you wake up. Anything you want to leave us with on those?
1: You know what? A good night's sleep always puts everything in perspective, 100%. And, you know, we're kind of, it sounds depressing, right? But we're kind of alone on this planet, you know? So, like, believe in yourself, push yourself forward, you know, recognize I've spent, I've come up with too many situations where you think people are coming from the same perspective as yourself or they, or they, or, no, they care about something as much as you do or in the same way you do. And most of the time, they really don't. Mm. And actually understanding that, I think, sets about how you approach things in a, in a, in a very different way. And and Michael, I mean, you were, you were the best, right? <laughs> when you, you also drink water uh, uh, first thing in the morning. And actually, I learned it from a very inspirational female leader here at Goldman, Asati Pompei. You know, the first thing she does is drink water every day. And you refer to it as like having a shower for your insides. i
0: totally right. <laughs> and, I, and, I,
1: and, I, and, I, and I really like that.
0: Mainly, it was only water that I drank. But let, let's <laughs> let's move. Well, let's move on because I mean, you know, five great tracks. In fact, right? you had six of them because uh, you included uh, silence. But I'm okay. I'm thinking about your playlist of uh, Ennio Morricone, Dusty Springfield, Abba, Alga, to name but a few. I mean, I mean, there's there's a lot of different vibes in there, Charlotte. Is that is that sort of reflecting the eclectic personality?
1: Yeah, I think I think I think it is you know, I love, you know, all of those are kind of significant like moments or like experiences Oh, I just really like them, right? Like I just really, you know. I mean, Abba's when it takes it all is just, it's just re- re- really fun. And then you go to uh, Elgar's Nimrod, and I just think it's one of the most beautiful pieces of music. Uh, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in Worcestershire and, and on the Malvern Hills, which is where he wrote it, and it's just, you know, beauty at its at its best. Mm, me.
0: Absolutely, no. Ne- Let's finish off with, I think is a cracking favorite quote from Blaise Pascal. I didn't have time to write a short letter, so I wrote a long one instead. Well said, what does it mean to you?
1: I absolutely love this. I remember going into, it was Saatchi's offices and I was many, many, many years ago. And on the wall they had emblazoned the brutal art of simplicity. And it's so true. Right. If you can say something in a few words, it's so much more powerful than the extended waffle. And it also ensures a discipline of mind, a discipline of thought. And so it's been a guiding. And then I look at all the people that are really successful around me and kind of without fail. Right. They're all just extraordinary communicators with that Mm -hmm. ability to get an idea across very simply. It's Um,
0: It's a skill.
1: It's a real skill, one of which I wish I was better at, but I kind of hold as my kind of guiding professional star because it's all powerful. And again, if you look at all the great, you know, the political figures or the key business figures, you know, their ability to communicate complex ideas simply and succinctly is incredibly incredibly important
0: well i suppose there are some times where i might think if we had more time i'd make it shorter but in this instance charlotte i wish we had longer but alas we haven't so thank you so much for joining me on changemakers and thanks so much for sharing your brilliant story thank you i loved
1: it thank you for having me michael
0: changemakers is brought to you by the campaign's firm seven hills and presented by me michael Heyman. Pure Being is the name of our soundtrack and it's written and performed by the brilliant BT Wolf. To find out more, head over to changemakers.works and if you like what you hear, why not give us a rating?